AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. I mean, that's kind of scary that a company could manufacture something that well that they could just slap another name on it and call it a product. It is. You know, these hamburgers are quite similar to the ones they have at Krusty Burger. <laughs> oh, no. Patented Skinner Burgers. Old family recipe. For steamed hams. Yes. On this episode, we discuss counterfeit equipment, relationship management, and supply chain. All that and more on EdTech. EdTech episode 114, Counterfeit Relationships. Hello, AV friends, and welcome to another episode of EdTech. As always, we have our panel of awesome higher ed AV professionals, Ernie Bailey. How are you doing, Ernie? Aaron, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Doing about as good as one can be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also have with us Scott Tyner. How are you doing, Scott? Hi, I'm doing well. Great to be here again. Nice to see everyone. Today, we have a special guest joining us for this episode from the University of Buffalo, Kevin Hartman. Hi, Aaron. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great uh, pleasure to be here. Yes. Welcome, Kevin. And tell us a little bit about what you do over there. So I am in our uh, school of management. I'm an instructional support tech. Um, I record um, lectures. We call them digital access. Um, very high mass enrolled courses, like 600 students, let's say some of them. There's only 50, 60 seats in the room. So I'm got a switcher, some Vadio PTZ cameras, and I'm live streaming, switching them. And then we'll, um, I'm also Panopto admin for the university. I do a lot of training on things like Panopto and Zoom, and I dip my toes a little bit into um, LMS support as well, just kind of showing faculty different tools in there. Excellent. So this month it's new year, but it's like new year, new twist on topics we've kind of touched on a little bit before, but you know, we'll talk about it in a new way with a new guest and see where, it, where the conversation takes us. So to, the first article uh, comes to us from AV Magazine. El Acoustics hosts destruction event for counterfeit speakers. Uh, so how amazing would it be to go all office space on some speakers? But um, from you know, that aside, what kind of lessons can we learn from this counterfeit equipment situation? Like how do we protect our campuses from potential bogus equipment? Well, first of all, good on uh, L Acoustics for realizing there is, you know, somebody was trying to make a, a buck off of their name and their product and they're doing something about it. You know, for, for us, you know, and I don't know about the rest of you guys, we're, we're a large pub public, public institution here. So we have certain rules we have to follow when it, when it comes to buying equipment and, you know, RFPs and getting so, so many quotes, yada, yada, yada. So for, I would always say, you know, make sure you know who you're working with, you know, find, you know, when you send out that RFP, look at these companies who are coming back to you, see if any of them are on state contracts, see if any of them are on, or at least have good reviews out there somewhere, you know, maybe you've got people who've worked there in the past, you know, try to find word of mouth, they'll go with any, you know, small time guy. We actually went through a similar situation with uh, some products. Uh, from a reputable uh, AV vendor, but they're the ones that actually contacted us and said, we just found out that we shipped you some counterfeit. Uh, these were Elmo document cameras. Uh, and, you know, they said, we found out 
after we shipped them, we have uh, real ones coming back and we'd like to come replace them. And they did. They took good care of us. And uh, it was a first experience for me with dealing with something like that. And I'd never thought about counterfeiting AV gear. That's a interesting. I mean, I, I, I'd just be curious to know how those would get into the supply of a reputable dealer. I mean, I was thinking the same thing as, as Kevin was saying, right? You just don't buy from some pretend box store on the internet, buy from your, from your local re, um, dealer, but those get into their hands. That's a little scary. Yeah. The, these were apparently counterfeited close to the manufacturer, the actual manufacturer, and it was done at the initial shipping point. So they came across the Pacific in boxes from them, you know, that looked like they came to the manufacturer. It, it, I said it was an interesting deal, and it's been several years, but, um, you know, if you're working with a reputable company, like Kevin said, they can they can work with you and help you determine that. I mean, that's kind of scary that yeah. a company could it is. manufacture something that well that they could just slap another name on it and call it a product. Yeah, I think it's it, particularly I think it's scary for the companies that they're doing this to, because if you don't know and Ernie's got all these cameras over there that aren't working well and he thinks it's that company yeah. and he gives testimony to fellow colleagues about not buying that piece of equipment, it it can have real long lasting impacts. And you're um, out a ton of sales. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, um, and I certainly can't um, can't let this go by without saying you, you got to check out the pictures on that website of them just smashing these speakers and and using heavy equipment <laughs> to smash yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> Best uh, you know company retreat ever, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I I do like that they did mention that um, they essentially were pulling anything that was like recyclable out of them too. Yeah. So what it, it's not going to be like all just tossed in a landfill and you know, it continuing the uh, sustainability issues that we have. Yeah. So that's that's good, too. At least. Well, and you, you look at this, you know, with the situation we went through, this is something that sits on the table mm -hmm. and it's, you know, a couple of pounds. These are speakers you fly over people's heads. You know, that that's the scary part to me is, you know, how how well are they manufactured? You know, if someone's trying to make a quick buck. Mm -hmm. What did they do uh, safety-wise? And like Scott mentioned, you know, it's not just a, a bad look for the manufacturer. If the integrator doesn't know, yeah, which we, we don't know if they do or don't, that, that's bad on them too. You know, are no. they not are they not QCing the stuff that comes in their door? Are they just, you know, do they know what's counterfeit? Because they're trying to, you know, get in on a little bit more of a markup. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Because it's it's not like you're going down some back alley and buying some like fake Prada bags. You're, these are this is like actual equipment that you're you know ex expecting to be getting through reputable sources. It's interesting. I have to. I I mean, as I think about, it, I have to imagine that some of these these resellers are getting scammed like any of us would. Right? They're getting a phone call. Oh, I'm your new dealer at such and such a place. If you have orders, just send them to me and I'll process them. But it just it's it's bizarre. It just raises the point you gotta pay attention to everything. So this actually kind of makes a 
nice transition um, to our next. Hello, this is Steve Greenblatt, host of Aviation Nation's Estate of Control podcast. Each month, Rich Fergosa and I explore trending topics, foundational subject matter related to control programming and automation in the audiovisual industry. We speak with a variety of AV professionals who share their perspective, knowledge, and experiences. Please join us for this monthly conversation. Check out a state of control on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts. Article that came from Rave Pubs by Scott Tyner. Relationship selling. So, I mean, because these sorts of relationships are very important in universities and kind of building those that trust in you know, in those companies that we work with and knowing that what we're getting is the good stuff. Um, so yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts, everyone? Yeah, this, this piece is interesting to me because I think that, um, and I think it, it hits me more and more as we get further away from, uh, the pandemic and, and my view that customer service continues to get worse and worse, uh, that we, you have somebody you know, somebody you trust. And one thing that absolutely drives me insane is when somebody calls me up or sends me a message on LinkedIn tell me they have a solution to my problems when they literally don't even know what my problems are. So when you have somebody who knows you and can um, actually bring products to you that you will use, uh, it's, it's so valuable. But it's, it's difficult because at the same time, companies do need to sell things. They do need to move product and the like. So it, it's it's a hard, it's also hard for a salesperson to kind of get into that relationship with you. I mean, how many of us have gotten the thank you for attending our product webinar when we've never attended said product webinar email? You know, you get oh, yeah. those all the time now or sorry we missed you on that. You know, the Scott's point about, you know, having somebody you can trust, sometimes it's just finding that somebody, you know, our, we have an integrator that we work with a lot and they are so short staffed right now that it, sometimes it's hard just to get them up here. And, and obviously it's not just us, it's, it's, it's everywhere. We, we, we know that, but, you know, it gets, it's, it gets a little frustrating when you know you've got somebody good, but they can't get to you because they've got a million other schools they're dealing with right now. And because they're down four or five people and they can't, they can't even find the somebody to necessarily help you or, or help you as soon as they want to be able to help you. Yeah. And we've run into this just recently in that, you know, in the past we would call up one of our favorite integrators or whatever, you know, the customer service salesperson there and say, Hey, can you arrange a demo of this product for me? Well, we weren't getting anywhere with that. We ended up calling the manufacturer and they actually came and set up a demonstration of the equipment. They've left it here with us until mid-January, asked us to show it to other people and to vendors in our area. So we're inviting, you know, the integrators to come here and see a product when they should be calling, you know, they used to call me to come to their place to see something, or they would show up with the manufacturer. Now I'm going back to all my integrators and say, hey, call this rep from the manufacturer. They're, they handle the educational side for us, or they handle the healthcare side, depending on what it is. And can you get me pricing on this? Because I have a demo. 
And, you know, it, it seems backwards to me from what we've done over the last 40 years that I've been here. So, uh, and I've mentioned in conversations before, uh, you know, there are some of the, sa- excuse me, salespeople that I've worked with in the past that have retired. I still go have lunch with these guys and talk with them and, you know, ha- have a relationship outside of the pure AV world. We still talk AV when we get together, but the people that I'm dealing with now at some of the same integrators are, you know, just, hey, here, here's the price, just do whatever you want uh, and not trying to find the solutions, but what, letting us find the solutions now. I've got good AV engineers on my team, so that's not a problem. Uh, but I'm not seeing the support that we used to see, like you know, pre-COVID. You know. Yeah, we've. I said in the intro, we're Panopto, we're Panopto shop for lecture capture. You know, Panopto recently got rid of a lot of their customer success managers, if not all of their customer success managers. You know, who do we, who do we talk to now? Is it an engineer? Is it a tech? Which is great. I've got great relationships with a couple of their engineers and, and techs, but. Yeah, just to have some, you know, just have some customer got individual uh, worker manager to be like, hey, how's it going? You know, how are you using the product or you're to meet him at a conference or something? I hate the fact that we don't have that, that something like that anymore. You know, it's you, you still need those people. Yeah, that does make a big difference. It's nice that um, so many uh, integrators and manufacturers and whatnot, they are they recognize that higher ed is different and that they are getting better at getting their people to recognize that in thing, just simple things like don't call me the first week in September and be like, Hey, can I have a minute of your time? No, no, you cannot. <laughs> I am sorry. Uh, if you, you know, if you want to get in the higher ed market, you should know that that is like some of the busiest time ever. Look at, look at the, look at the court, the class schedules, like just peek and see when does, when does the semester start? Oh, okay. Maybe I'll bother them a couple weeks in when I know things have come down. Um, or like if you want in on projects, like you you got to get in at a certain time like everything's planned by you know you can't gone are the days that you can stroll in in march and be like hey what are you doing this summer can we help you out because pretty much we've got to have everything planned and orders done by then because you know and this is where i i think it's great you know you know ernie mentioned he's got a couple engineers on staff you know maybe I don't know if in-house integrator is the right term. I know that we, we use that a lot, but the, the people around your campus who may have used some of this equipment may have it in their shop. You know, for instance, we, we launched some online programs here and our, our dean asked for a green screen studio. And so we built it and we went and talked to our libraries because they had a couple, you know, and we, you know, looked at what they had. And we pretty much, you know, Equipment-wise, went with a lot of the same stuff they had because we knew it worked. We knew they weren't going to be using it if it didn't work because there's just, they get much higher usage of their rooms than, than we do currently because they're you know supporting the entire campus and, and students, not just faculty. 
So to be able to have someone like that who knows some of this equipment already, it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. And, you know, we're going through B&H or you know, whatever Midtown AV, whatever AV dealer you're going through. Just to have that extra little, you know, the, not, I don't know if support's the right term, but that extra little, um, I guess, knowledge base of some of this stuff is just, you can't you can't put a price on that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and for years we have avoided the B and H stores or CDW or anybody like that, simply because we wanted to deal with someone that knew what we were doing. Well, we're not seeing that now. My people know they do the research. Like I said, I've got we talked about I got engineers, designers, programmers uh, on my team, so. I'm now looking at those companies because they're just, I mean, their price match. Uh, you know, you tell them you're an educational uh, institution, they give you educational discounts. Uh, I was really surprised when I recently started dealing with, with both B&H and CDW at their pricing. You know, I see their uh, public facing pricing and I say, you know, we, I'm not going to spend that much for this, but uh our purchasing people know who to talk to when they call them. And, you know, the price is the same thing that I'm paying an AV integrator who's given me the educational discount and whatever points I get from manufacturers. Uh, I'm seeing that from them. So why go to the AV integrator if I'm not needing installation and if they're not going to provide me design or uh, solutions that I need, you know, if they're just gonna be a box house. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the old, like, do I go mom and pop or do I go Amazon Walmart? Like, it's kind of like you want to, you want to buy local, but at the same time, when there are these big companies like CDW and B&H that are doing it well, that are focusing on higher ed and the needs of you know of the our you know particular vertical uh it's harder it's a lot harder to decide to go well you know what the the local guy that i you know that has been doing okay like for me lately but hasn't really stepped it up or changed their model anytime recently why you know why would i bother at this point. Well, this seems like a good transition point to uh, move to our next story. And that one comes from Systems Contractor News, Supply Chain Lessons Learned. Um, so I know this is a topic that we've kind of uh, have touched on here and there in the past, but, um, you know, have what have we learned um, it, you know, since the pandemic and, you know, since then? Like I think this ties into the relationship selling in that, you know, um, when we first started seeing the supply chain issues, we were calling integrators and say, hey, do you have something else that will do the same thing? You know, and if you had a good relationship there and they had good engineering team available, they could offer you alternate solutions to what wasn't available. Um, you know, that's as the supply chain is 
getting uh, better. And, you know, they're all looking like they're, they've about recovered from the two or three year lag times we had on some products. But I will say because of the supply chain issues and finding alternate products, we have changed some of our design plans and we're using different manufacturers, even though the name brands that we've used for decades are back to supplying immediately. We found alternate products for, you know, either more features or less cost or both that I wouldn't even have looked for because I was happy with what I was getting from these other people. So, you know, that that's a lesson that we've learned is that there are other people out there that are willing to manufacture and sell and that, that, that could provide when nobody else could. Yeah, I think it shows too, you know, just how creative some of us had to get, right? I mean, we couldn't get control systems for two years. You know, we had to push using cameras that were maybe outdated. You know, my, my room here, we were, we were supposed to do it in summer 2020 and we just did it this summer. You know, and even that, we still we still had to wait on a, a, a DMPS. We ended up borrowing one from um, our central IT group. And when ours finally came in, we gave them ours. We were forced to move to uh, virtual processors. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's been a very good move for us. I'm buying less hardware. Uh, it's easier setup, easier programming for my team. Uh, but that was because we couldn't buy a hardware one. Right. And in some cases, you know, hey, we're just here's a hundred dollar Logitech webcam. There's your there's your room camera now. You know, we're, you know, use a, if you don't want to use a chalkboard, here's the dock cam, you know, and here's the USB cord that connects it to the computer. And here's how you use VLC so you can see get the camera on the computer. There's there's ways you can do it. It may not be perfect. You know, obviously it, it wasn't, especially in the first, you know, six months or so of the pandemic. But. We got through it. It's it's amazing what you can do when you're able to, you know, when you're forced to do something. Yeah, I had one instructor. He, you know, he used the document camera almost exclusively for his class, and he was able. His son was some kind of engineer, and his son, you know, like Jerry rigged him something so he could just take a webcam and point it down like this at his documents, and you know, hey, I've got a, I've got a document camera for my home office now. Yeah, I think that, especially for these companies, I think the whole supply chain logistics and everything that goes on in that world is just absolutely fascinating. Um, and if we think what we've learned, I think about what they've learned, um, it's just got to be amazing. But I think for me, the biggest one ours is absolutely um, software control and using um, soft-based anything. Um, I think the ideas that uh, Ernie and Kevin both brought up of this idea of flexibility. And I'm curious to see, I mean, education is, is a big old oil tanker and turning that thing around is hard. And so it's easy, I think, for any of us right now to say, oh, we're so much more flexible, we can do anything. And I'm just curious to see in your two years from now, three years from now, if we've kind of just started drifting back back into course of using the same old vendor. Um, but I think at least the uh, our ability to be aware of the need to absolutely shift quickly and equip rooms quickly and equip things quickly um, is huge. Uh, and just having having parts and spare parts, 
Uh, we were so accustomed to just being able to call up anybody and say, overnight this to me. I don't care what it costs, overnight it to me. And now we know we need to be self-sufficient uh, and have that stuff ready at any point. We had kind of gotten out of the habit of having a spare of each thing because it was so easy to get. Like RMAs, like turnaround, like next day replacements, like they were so they were so easy to get that we were like, well, we don't really need to, you know, have money sitting on a shelf. But now we're like, you know what? <laughs> it's probably a good idea to have that one, you know, and one or two extras sitting there. And I think what also we we learned um, is to start projects sooner than later. Whereas before we were, we would, if a department came to us and was like, we want to redo our conference room or wanted to do something, we'd be like, oh, sure. When did you want it? And they're like, in you know, eight weeks. And we'd be like, not a problem because we knew that we'd be able to get that equipment in. And as long as they could block that room off, we could get it done. But now we're like, if someone says they need a project done in eight weeks, I laugh. <laughs> because I'm like, um, good luck with that. Because it's not, you know, it's it's not happening unless we're in fairyland and <laughs> somebody's got a magic wand. Um, so yeah, it's like planning things well in advance um, has become the new the new norm. Yeah. Well, you go back to what you were saying about you know having stuff on the shelf. Do you remember what the big push was in 2017, 2018? Lean project management. Just in you time. don't buy anything yet. Just in time deliveries and all that. That's gone. <laughs> that did, that did not last very long. I mean, we had a big push for the the lean and green uh, project management courses and teaching everyone. You know, you buy it, you arrange shipping where it comes in thirty minutes before you need it. Well. COVID told us that's not a good plan. <laughs> it's nice in theory, but not, you know, doesn't quite occur that way in reality. It, it does help those uh, mid-June phone calls, though, of I've got some extra money in my budget. And you can just yeah. say, yeah, no, nah, not going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> not going to happen. Right. You're like uh, stuck up on office supplies because you can get well, those at least. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got now to putting out a notice in – early March that says, you know, if you need any AV work done over the summer, we have to have plans and financing arranged by mid-April. April 15th basically is our date that we set. If you come to us with, with a request after that, it's not going to happen over the summer. So yeah. you need to spend your year-end money mid-year. Yeah. And even then I'm like, April 15th, oh my God, how's yeah. it going to get done in time? <laughs> That is, that's how, I guess, like, yeah. scared of the timeline I've become. I'm just like, oh, I need all of the months to get it done. But. Well, I think, when, you know, to me, it's 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 kind of showing how much now we're, we are valued as AV people, too. If we're saying, hey, we need more time to get this right, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not skimping on quality here. You wouldn't think. You know, good, fast, and cheap. You can have two of the three. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we basically own the technology in all the classrooms. So that's already planned out. 
So it's departmental conference rooms, things like that, little huddle spaces that we might get requests to do over the summer. And we used to be able to, you know, take a request in May and have it finished by the end of June before the money ran out, or at least have it all purchased and have the boxes sitting there. But we don't even do that anymore. Now we've moved it. April 15th is a hard deadline for us. And our, uh, I work closely with our computer department that buys all the Dell computers for our campus. We're a Dell house. Uh, we get basically a truck from Dell every few days, you know, a full truckload coming to our campus. And they have the same rule. And we, we set the date together. Computer orders, AV orders have the same deadline. If you want to spend your year-end money, you've had to plan a little bit ahead of time. Well, today has been another fantastic episode. Thank you all for joining me and the panel and our special guest. If anyone wants to reach out, how can they get in touch with you, Ernie? Uh, LinkedIn is the best way to find me right now. Okay. And how about you, Scott? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me uh, on Rave Pubs as well. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. How can people reach out to you? Uh, LinkedIn's the best way, and um, usually you can find me on the uh, Sunday morning AV and the AM chats, too. Excellent. And as for me, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. That's pretty much the best way these days. So, And on occasion, you can see me also on the uh, AV and the AM on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> when I can get up early enough on a Sunday without my family bugging me. Anyway, so thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.